Welcome back to the Injury Pro Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com, the only fantasy football podcast related to injuries with a host with two Mexican parents, two Mexican immigrants, number one on the charts, number one in your hearts. We are unique. We are funny. We are informative. Today, we're analytical. Today, we are late round. Today, we have for the second time on the show, JJ Zacharias and a man who needs no introduction, but I gave him one anyway. He's at late round quarterback. He's also co-host of the Living the Stream podcast. JJ, this is the second time you've been on. I appreciate you so much. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to talk to you again. You know, we're almost uh, here. It's almost here, the football season, the regular season, I should say. I'm really excited for it. Yes, we are super excited to get started. I know we're sort of like in the 11th hour of the draft uh, of drafts, but I think people still are going to be drafting probably through the the holiday weekend. So I wanted to get your thoughts picking from the 1.09. We're going to do a 12 team, single quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one flex league that we're going to mock through this fake, this, this little ADP we have, um, just like we've been doing with Mike Wright. Just like we did with Reeves, just like we did with Justin Boone, just like we did with we've been doing this. This is a little series we got going on, and we're gonna have the late round quarterback walk through that. But first, I do want to get your thoughts, JJ, because okay. a lot of people have done their their drafts already, and I wanted to pick your brain and ask. Let's start with the person who really loves their draft. They're probably not making any moves, right? They're probably not going to do anything before the season starts. But should they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can always improve your roster, um, and I think that's the way that you should be be viewing things. I mean, um, you know, this is sort of the way that I view, you know, people. I actually had a question on my mailbag episode that dropped today, um, but it it so, someone had asked me and said, I really like the middle and late round wide receivers this year. You know, I, I think that this year more than other years, I'm going to go with a running back heavy approach. Should I get maybe a tight end in there? Should I get a quarterback in there? What would you do? And my response is don't be overconfident in your ability to think that these wide receivers are all going to hit, right? So if you like a Jacoby Myers late, if you like a Michael Pittman later, if you like those players, you have to be cognizant of the fact that these guys aren't going to hit. And same with the middle round guys. I mean, Chase Claypool or Jerry Judy or, you know, these guys that I've been drafting a ton of, but I'm still very open-minded to the fact that they're not all going to hit. Um, and that's that's the same way that I look at things, you know, when I, when I look at my draft uh, and look at my roster after a draft. And I say, yeah, I really like this roster. And, you know, some of them I might not make any moves, but I'm still open-minded to the fact that, you know, this is not going to automatically win a fantasy championship because there's a lot of variance in this thing that we do. So how do you mitigate that? How do you mitigate? Because I went super, especially in the injury-prone invitational. I mean, I guess I didn't go super wide receiver heavy, but I did weight wide receivers, uh, you know, pretty highly. But I did get Judy there. I did get Jacoby Myers there. I don't love Mike Evans this year. I know some analysts don't love Mike Evans. So what can I do as I'm sitting here thinking, oh, okay, so I, I, my, my team's okay. Um, I think I have good anchors with Dak and Saquon, but I don't love my team, but I don't hate it. Any advice for that person? Because that's, that's kind of me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some leagues, I think that league in particular, when you're getting a lot of just like sharp drafters, no team is going to look great. Um, and, and so, you know, in a situation like that, what you should be doing is either looking at the waiver wire, seeing what's there. If there's not that much there, look at teams that sort of went with a, a, an opposite approach as you did in the draft and see if there's any way to, to meet on a trade. Uh, because if they went with a different approach than you did, that means that their deficiencies are the opposite of yours. Right. Uh, and there might be a way for you to send some bench depth, 
uh, package that up and improve both rosters through a trade. So, you know, be, be open to something like that as well, even before the season starts. I know that a lot of people are hesitant to do that kind of thing. A lot of people are hesitant to get rid of good players in a trade. And so they just don't make trades, but do it. I mean, it's not only fun, but it's a way to really improve your roster. So JJ, you went pretty wide receiver heavy as well. Kind of. You went McCaffrey because you had the 1.01. You went Hopkins. You went Waller. That is a hell of a start. Then you turn around, sniped me from Fields and Burrow. So I had to have, I think Cousins is my second quarter. No, no, Cousins is my second quarterback. Uh, who is my second quarterback? Yeah, Kirk Cousins is my second quarterback because of you. So that's your fault. Um, and then you went Odell Beckham, Jamar Chase, uh, Corey Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's hilarious at that turn. What was it? The the five six oh, turn. I hated it. <laughs> you were tilting so hard, JJ messaged the group told us he hated us like three times said he was going to do something super crazy did basically what the chalk said he should do and then uh ian hardest called him jj chalk recent which i had a really really good laugh about yeah what what was your takeaway from this draft specifically you know it was it was tough because i did what i wanted to do i'd say through the first like five rounds or so i really liked my start in that draft uh you know like you said i had cmc and then i got deandre hopkins darren waller um and then i had uh you know two quarterbacks in Joe Burrow and Justin Fields, who I got both under ADP, uh, but then also I think have, you know, low end QB one upside this season. So I felt really good through round five because it's a super flex league too. felt really good through round five. And then that, that six, seven turn hit and everyone, I mean the, the run I, when I, when I drafted Joe Burrow at the start of round five, I thought to myself, you know, right now there's only been 12 wide receivers drafted, right? Uh, I feel pretty good about the kind of wide receiver I'll be able to get at the six, seven turn. And then if you look at the draft board, there were four wide receivers drafted in round five. You had Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, DJ Moore. I know, sorry, five, because then Deontay Johnson went. And then in the sixth round, right before I went, literally every single pick except for one in the sixth round was a wide receiver. And I, I mean, I just, I, I, it was just very, very tilting. It was very, very frustrating uh, I was ho- all, all I needed to happen was Miles Sanders and or, you know, TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews to get drafted in that range for me to feel really, really good about the wide receivers. But there was just a, a teardrop where where Brandon Ayuk went, which was two picks before me. And then I, I settled for OBJ. And then the next pick, you know, I just didn't know what wide receiver to go with, but I needed to go wide receiver just given my build. Um, and so I just, I just shot for, for upside and I, I went with Jamar chase, even though I don't have him ranked at, I got him at wide receiver 29 and I have him ranked at like wide receiver 33 ish. Um, but you know, given the build I had and I, I, you know, I got lucky in the eight at the eight, nine turn cause I got two guys who should be pretty stable this year and Corey Davis and Juju Smith Schuster. Um, and so I felt, I felt fine about it after the fact, but you know, when I had to take Jamar chase there, it was just a little bit tough. Yeah, you were definitely tilting at that turn, which was hilarious. But I still like I still like the build you ended up with, man. I think it's a pretty good team. Um, but there was an incident, right? We had we had Clawgate going on. JJ, can you just mm. very quickly tell everybody what was going on with Clawgate? Yeah, so I don't drink that much anymore uh, for for health reasons, and also I'm just like older and I'm a dad now, and it's just like not the same as it used to be. And so I was. I was drinking one night and I uh, I had l- not many claws because I don't have very high tolerance anymore, which is really sad because I used to have great, you know, I was I was I was that dude in college, um, and so I uh, I had some claws and there was a ten eleven turn and I went with I, I wanted to get my RB two I went with Raheem Mostert and then I sort of like 
Pseudo forgot that I had taken a running back there. Pseudo like just wasn't paying enough attention. <laughs> I really one second. I really <laughs> I really wanted to get I really wanted to get a quarterback at that turn. Uh and I, I wanted Carson Wentz, but then I was like, oh, Sony Michelle, he just got traded. I'm gonna get Sony Michelle. Which look, I'm I'm high on Sony Michelle compared to co- the the consensus right now. Like I, I I think people are down on Michelle for not the right reasons. Um, and so, and I understand, you know, you probably have a, a, a med take there and stuff. I'm just looking at the, the, the floor ceiling combo that, that Sony Michelle could, could uh, present himself uh, in, in LA, but I, I really wanted to get Carson Wentz instead of Sony Michelle. Uh, and then he went like three picks later and it was uh, uh, relatively tilting, but I, you know, looking back now, I just sort of, you know, I went with like Jimmy Garoppolo later uh, just to, to make sure I had some early season, uh, you know, uh, production at the quarterback position. I got Drew Locke, who I think could eventually take over for Teddy Bridgewater. I got Andy Dalton to pair with Justin Fields. So I'm not that that bad off at the quarterback position, but it was a very frustrating turn looking back and thinking about it, uh, you know, because I, I was just very, very careless as the draft was going on. <laughs> well, w- you gave us a good laugh a couple of times, so that, that was, I appreciate yeah. that. You guys are in so many, I mean, I'm in a decent amount of, of leagues as well i'm trying to keep it as engaging as possible and i think i've done that by just like talking as much shit as possible um i think i've hit everybody so far with something and nobody's hit me back yet really i mean uh reeves kind of has so it's coming it's coming. i'm wait yeah i was gonna say as soon as i get absolutely smashed and end and last then that's when you guys can really pour it on but we sort of got sidetracked sorry the last question i have for you jj before we start this little fake mock draft tell me about the person who drafted and they just they freaking hate their team they just hate their team they're like oh man i don't, I don't know what to do uh, should they trade? Should they pick up dudes that are you know injured right now? Like, what should they do? What should that person do? Yeah, I mean, if you're not liking where things are, number one, breathe a little bit because there's a lot of variance. Like I said, I mean, uh, you know, there there are teams like my home league this year. I, I drafted what I thought was a really bad team. Um, it's just I just wasn't feeling it. Didn't I mean it was fine. It just wasn't like anything spectacular or special. Um, but things will things will either go your way at some point. Maybe it won't. But things can go your way. Like I drafted Gus Edwards in that league before J.K. Dobbins went down. Um, or, or, you know, you just have to be open minded to the fact that like some of the guys that you drafted can and, and will hit. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I've and I've really changed my tune over the last like four or five years, I'd say, as an analyst. But um, I just think it's really important to always look at your roster and say, you know, I might have a bad roster right now. It might not look good on paper. Um, but at the end of the day, there's only one winner in your fantasy league. And so if you want to blow up that roster, go, go ahead, go do it and just shoot for that upside and, and go for, for number one. Um, because it really, uh, you know, no one remembers who gets fourth place in your fantasy league. And I, I think there's too often, whenever you look at your roster after a draft, you're looking at it because you're afraid of safety, right? You're, you're afraid of the floor that your roster's bringing, but sometimes that's a good thing. So evaluate it that way as well. You know, look at what the possible ceiling is for that roster. Um, and, 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 you know, hopefully you'll feel better about it because usually when people don't feel good about the roster, it's because they, they, they have this perceived feeling that, that their floor of their roster and there's not enough safety and things can go south. Who cares if things go south? You, you need to get first place. So that's, that's another way to sort of cope with it. I kind of look at it from the other perspective where, and this is maybe because of all the content I've consumed from you and from like Scott Barrett. And I hate when I feel like I'm not, I like, I don't have enough upside. Like when I look at the breakout wide receivers, 
Um, I know you've done a ton of, of work on Jerry Judy. You believe in Jerry Judy. I know Rich Rebar believes in Jerry Judy. Graham Barfield, I think, has Jerry Judy as his overall wide receiver one. Just kidding. It doesn't actually. But you guys all love Jerry Judy. But when I look at it, I'm, I just haven't seen it yet. It hasn't materialized, right? So in my brain, I'm like, oh, I just haven't seen that. Like, I haven't seen that massive breakout season yet. And so I'm like, is the upside there? Like, will the upside be there? And I know, like, academically, intellectually, like it could happen very easily. I just need to be patient for it. But I do view it more so from like, man, do I have enough upside? And I think that yeah, you're really yeah. alluding to yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. You know, if it makes anyone feel any better, whenever we finish drafts, like I'm in so many expert leagues and stuff and, and people post the drafts on Twitter and stuff. It's very rare that people are like, oh, JJ smashed that draft. And it's because a lot of people when they or, or or when when you when you're drafting on like Yahoo or something like that and they grade your draft after the fact my my draft <laughs> grades are always like I get like a C, I get a C all the time like I, I'm not I, you're I'm not very getting, average, huh? yeah like I'm never getting a good draft grade and that's a good thing because those things and the way that the way that people view drafts and they look at draft boards they're saying oh you know you you don't have any deficiencies anywhere so therefore your team is good but yeah, you have a lot of like above average players everywhere. That doesn't win a fantasy championship, you know. Um, and 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 when when a when a a site like Yahoo, and this is nothing against their like grading system. I think it's a cool functionality piece. But like when when they come back and they say, "Oh, you get a C," you know, they're they're basing that off of their projections. They're basing that off of what they how they think the season is going to go down at the beginning of the season. So someone like Javante Williams is not going to look as good as the way that I would rank him and look at him. Uh, as a, as a fantasy asset, because as we know, Javante Williams has a lot of upside, and there's the potential that he just takes over that backfield during the second half of the year, which is when you would need him to make that run towards a fantasy championship. So don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. Don't worry about the floor so much. There's only one winner in fantasy football. Yeah, you heard it here first. JJ Zacharyson hates Matt Harmon because of the projections. Yeah, Moving yeah, on right. to the draft. I'm just kidding. He doesn't. All right, so JJ, you're going to be drafting from the nine hole. Okay. Yeah. You're going to, we're going to see how your brain works. We're going to dig into the late round brain. We are going, and by the way, follow JJ on, on Twitter at late round quarterback. I didn't think I had to say that, but it, so, so I didn't, but there it is. Follow JJ on Twitter. Um, here we are. ADP says with your first pick at the 1.09, you should be taking Austin Eckler and everybody remember 12 team, single quarterback, non-tight end premium, two running back, two wide receiver, one flex. JJ's drafting from the 1.09. The ADP says he should take Austin Eckler. Is JJ Zacharyson taking Austin Eckler? No, man, I'm taking I'm taking Saquon here. Um, it, you know, oh, I'm the, levitating. The fact that Continue. the fact that Saquon is uh, has a 112 ADP, I would go with Saquon at the 109. I have him at, at 106, 107, I think. Um, and so, you know, the main the main reason is, uh, you know, I listen to people like you who say that he should be fine and that people are making way big of a deal out of this this injury that he's dealing with. Um, but then on on top of that, I mean, there's there's only a select few number of uh, of running backs who have the potential usage and, and ceiling that Saquon Barkley does. You can talk about the offensive line in New York. You can talk about, uh, talk about the offense itself in New York. I mean, Saquon's thrived in, in fantasy football uh, in bad situations already. So we know that, that that's fine. And, you know, I, I understand that you would ideally want him to be in a better situation. Um, but, you know, you can, you can uh, talk down on some situations of other running backs who are going around him as well. Um, and so I am in on Saquon Barkley this year just because I shoot for that ceiling. And I, you know, honestly, he has a floor too. Like, let's, let's, let's stop like painting this picture that Saquon Barkley in fantasy is a bad, bad running back or, or like a mediocre running back. I mean, the guy has 15 plus percent target share potential. You know, there's no one that we should be worried about in that backfield stealing touches. 
you know, maybe to, maybe they're slow to start the year in terms of uh, with, with him in terms of usage. Um, but I'm not all that concerned uh, with, with Barkley overall. So I would take him at 109. I love that pick. And I've said it over and over and over again. All the comps that we use for Barkley don't really work. This is the, the, the first time in legitimately the first time in NFL history that I'm aware of that you have a player coming off with 10 and a half months to rehab. He's when the injury happened, he was 23 years old. He is the highest draft pick for this to happen to at the age of 24 there. there he checks all the boxes. He's a super freak athlete. He's actually a shade more athletic on paper than Adrian Peterson is or was. He checks all of the boxes to be a medical anomaly and an anomaly in the NFL from a recovery and rehab standpoint. I would rather be a year early if this if we end up with floor Saquon like you're referring to than a year late when everybody's drafting him in the top five again. Like this yeah. is the year to get this discount. And I, I love that you just went there because now what the ADP says is that you should go Antonio Gibson. But I don't think you're going to do that, are you? No, you know, in this kind of format, uh, full PPR, you can flex one. You know, ideally, there'd be start three wide receivers, so I can feel even more confident in going with like a hero, anchor RB, whatever RB approach. Um, I, but I, I'm going to go wide receiver here. And instead of going Antonio Gibson, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, I, some people have Calvin Ridley ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. I get it. You know, Ridley, his splits without Julio, he gets like a 30% target share last season without him. Uh, you know, he has a true wide receiver one ceiling. There's no doubt. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins does as well, and he has Kyler Murray throwing in the rock. Um, and so I, you know, I, I think I think the way that I see it is we have a baseline of DeAndre Hopkins already being, you know, this stud wide receiver throughout his career, but even in this Arizona system. And then we also know his ceiling is just as high as a player like Ridley. So I'm just going to go with that floor ceiling combo with Hopkins over Ridley. Same tier for me. I don't care if you were, were to go Ridley. I totally understand it but I'm going to go Hopkins at the 204. Okay, we can do that. Starting off with a Barkley-Hopkins start. That's not bad at all. I really don't have anything to add to that. I think that you did a perfect job of summing it up. So after Gibson, so which you didn't take, which by the way, you've gone Barkley and Hopkins, and I'm going to highlight those so we don't miss those. You ADP says you should take Allen Robinson. You're going to go Allen Robinson? You're going to go someone else? I'm going to get weird here. Uh -oh. Um so I, I don't mind Allen Robinson, but I should tell you and say, I, I really haven't drafted him in redraft this year. Um, and, and some of it is, I think there's this assumption that a quarterback upgrade means only good things for a guy like Allen Robinson. But we have to keep in mind that A-Rob with these quarterbacks, a lot of times good quarterbacks uh, latch on to, to single wide receivers because they don't know how to progress through their reads. Um, and, and that's what we've seen with Allen Robinson in the past. I mean, look, he's... He's phenomenal. This is, has nothing to do with Allen Robinson, the player. Um, but but at the same time, you know, we have to be cognizant of that fact. You know, the fact that like just because there's a quarterback, a perceived quarterback upgrade doesn't automatically mean that Allen Robinson is going to see a higher or the same target share or a higher target share. And then on top of that, I did studies over the offseason on how mobile quarterbacks affect their pass catchers and how rookie quarterbacks affect their pass catchers. And both studies showed that it's bad, right? If you have a, a rookie quarterback throwing you the ball, it's very rare. You know, I looked at, at rookie quarterbacks that that played uh, half or more than half of their rookie season for their team and, and had like 55 plus percent plus more uh, of the team's attempts. Um, but with Justin Fields, we obviously have that scenario likely to play out. I would be shocked if Andy Dalton plays more than half the season. Um, and, and of the 29 quarterbacks over the last 10 years in that study, we've only had three wide receiver one seasons. 
Um, so it's, I mean, that's not a good hit rate. I mean, if you compare it to just the, the average across the league. And so, um, you know, there's some worry there with Allen Robinson. There's some worry that they would be a pretty run heavy team as well. Um, so I'm not going to go Allen Robinson in that spot. And I'm not going to go with a lot of the guys that are, you know, listed next. Uh, I think that you Uh could go, uh yeah, I'm going to go deep. I'm actually going to go to a guy. This is, this is going to sound crazy. Uh, I'm going to go to the guy that's highlighted next on this list. And that's Tyler Lockett. And I'm going to draft Tyler Lockett at the 309 spot. And you skipped over. Let's read these out loud. You skipped over DeAndre Swift, obviously. Josh Allen, obviously. You skipped over Robert Woods, Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper. Little surprising. I'm a little surprised. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Deontay Johnson. And who I can kind of see it. And really the only argument that I think any the general public would would have or any beef they'd have is passing over Amari Cooper. Tell mm-hmm. me why you decided to theoretically, technically, technically, you reached for Ty- Tyler Lockett here. You went a whole round down. You'd reach for him. Can you tell me why you skipped over Amari Cooper and went Tyler Lockett and went with the reach? Yeah, I mean, look, if you wanted to go Amari there, that, that, he's the one guy that I would be cool with. Uh, you know, get, they're sort of in the same tier for me. Uh, I'm just kind of making a, a point with Tyler Lockett with his pick because uh, I just find it fascinating that people are fading. I mean, I, I say fade because people are fading at cost Tyler Lockett this year uh, because of the idea of inconsistency. Um, and look, if you look at uh, the coefficient of variation, which is a way of measuring uh, consistency. If you look at that and you look at higher volume wide receivers, um, he's most definitely, you know, last year over the last few years, he's been one of the more inconsistent wide receivers, uh, in the game. Uh, but number one, there's not that much predictiveness year over year with that kind of thing. I'm going to end up doing a study after the season's over on consistency, but I just haven't done it yet, but there's not that much, uh, predictability with consistency to begin with. Um, but then on top of that, I, you know, does it matter? You know, like, like I, I think that there's this idea that consistency matters in fantasy football because it seems intuitive for it to matter, but I don't know if it really does. You know, you're still getting those points at the end of the day, points per game is a lot more indicative of how good a player is than even looking at, you know, top 24 weeks or top 36. Those are more arbitrary. Um, and so I think it's simple for Tyler Lockett. Look, you have a new offensive coordinator in Seattle Hopefully we see an increase in pace, even if we don't see an increase in, in pass rate for that Seahawks offense. Uh, Tyler Lockett is pretty much locked into like a 22 to 24% target share in a Russell Wilson led offense. So yeah, sign me up for that. I will, I will take ty- Tyler Lockett's one of my highest rostered players this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm never going to jump off the Tyler Lockett train. I've said this like a hundred times as well. Tyler Lockett was uh, there the last year that they won the big 12 at Kansas state it was my freshman year. I had season tickets it was glorious i loved watching tyler lockett grab these moon balls out of the air from one colin klein who never was sort of like he was sort of like the the poor man's tim tebow at that time i don't know if you remember very much about colin klein uh never panned out in the nfl then they gave him one of those like fake jobs where he was like uh processing manager to the regional assistants quarterbacks quality control coach after he graduated they just like made a position up for him but i love the tyler lockett pick man the next thing, the next pick that you should have here, according to the ADP, is Dak Prescott. So, okay, let me see. Wait, shouldn't we be in the round before that? Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, you already went Tyler Lockett. You're 100% I, I, accurate. I went. Yeah, I went, you went Tyler Lockett, so that, that threw me off. So, okay, 
after the Tyler Lockett. You skipped over uh, Allen Robinson, got Tyler Lockett. Now, theoretically, then after that, the next person available would be Lamar Jackson. Then you have a whole tier, guys. Although, wouldn't this... I think we skipped ahead to the end of this round instead of the beginning of round four. I'm really bad at this, JJ. Let's just start at Lamar Jackson, okay? <laughs> just go. This is fake anyway, okay? Lamar Jackson okay. is the next guy you should be taking. Are you just, taking Lamar Jackson? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, we'll play it. We'll play. So so I just want to I just want to throw it out there that I'm now I'm now currently in the fifth round. I don't get a fourth round pick. Just for the yeah, No, yeah, you did. You get it. Well, no, okay. Yeah, because you're supposed it, to go Allen Robinson. Then the next guy highlighted was Tyler Lockett. Right, but the next and guy you highlighted him already. It should have been though someone four pick or five, whatever, six picks after the Allen Robinson one. Right, it should have been happened? like it should have been like four oh four, yeah. Okay, go start at the four oh four. I'm the worst. Is, is it four oh four? It would be four oh so four 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 oh yeah four oh four would be okay. it would be yeah yeah it'd be right here. Okay, start at the four oh four. Okay, so that would keep be, talking. I'm gonna fix this and and, and if if I if I if I effed it up, continue. Okay, so this next one would be uh, Kyle Pitts would be the the four oh four pick. I already went with Tyler Lockett. He would have been my guy, but I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with Cooper cup as the next piece of this build. So, you know, round one got my anchor running back in Saquon Barkley round two, got Deandre Hopkins round three, got Tyler Lockett round four. You know, if you want to talk about the boom bust potential of Tyler Lockett, I'm going to level that out a little bit with Cooper cup who should have a high floor each week. Should have a, a nice target share in that offense with Matthew Stafford. Now that offense should be, uh, you know, a top 10-ish one more than likely in the league with Stafford. Um, you know, Cooper Cup is is lined up for 23-ish percent uh, of the team's targets this season uh, out, out of the slot. So I think it's a very high floor and still a decent ceiling option. Um, and I think that he balances out uh, Tyler Lockett quite a bit. I also think in this range, you could also consider just going with like Deontay Johnson with this particular build. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Cooper Cup as my wide receiver three uh, on this team. So that 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 uh, gives me the uh, the flex. So at the 509, are you going Gus Edwards or are you going quarterback mid round quarterback? I know you've talked about how things are changing a little bit. What are you going to do here? You know what? I'm just going to keep. So according to this ADP, TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews are gone. And I think that you can make the argument that they would be a good pick for this particular kind of build in that spot. I usually you know, don't go with these middle round ish. They're not totally middle round tight ends, but these middle round ish tight ends. But uh, I found through some research this offseason that tight end ones who are being drafted in the middle rounds there, who are the first pass catcher being drafted from their team, they tend to hit at a pretty good rate. I I feel pretty good about both Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson this year. So if they were there, uh, I would be totally fine going that direction. Instead, I think I'm just going to keep going for some wide receiver depth. Um, I'm going to go with Jerry Judy here, who's listed as the 604. Um, Booty Judy. So I'm going to go Jerry Judy as my wide receiver four, uh, and, and lock that up. I mean, he, you know, I, I have this breakout, uh, wide receiver criteria that I look, look at and look for when spotting breakout wide receivers. And Judy really checks every single box this year. You know, usually breakout wide receivers are part of ambiguous wide receiver situations. And by that, I mean, they don't have this like alpha wide receiver one on their team by ADP and Jerry Judy does not have that. It's good that he's the wide receiver one being drafted on his own team. He's a second year player. He has a backbone from the standpoint of the previous season. He had a high target share. There's just a lot to like about Judy. 
Um, and so I'm going to go Judy with this next pick. What do you think about the Teddy Bridgewater sort of um, situation? And you said earlier that you think it's not un- it's not unreasonable to see Drew Locke take over. What, what is your take on that and how that impacts Jerry Judy? Yeah, I mean, look, I my my stance all along, you know, people were like, "Oh, Judy's better, you know, Bridgewater's better for Judy and uh, uh Drew Locke is better for Sutton." And my take has just always been Teddy Bridgewater's better for both cuz Drew Locke hasn't really shown us that he's that good of a quarterback. Um and so, you know, and, and Teddy Teddy was able to sustain multiple pass catchers last year in Carolina to be relevant in fantasy football. I don't I don't see why, you know, both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy can't thrive and see like a 45% plus target share combined this year in that offense you know I think you know a lot of people get scared off and think oh they have Noah Fant too they got Albert O they got these running backs out of the backfield they got KJ Hamler and it's like guys those guys are still technically like secondary players right like it doesn't mean that you know I I love Noah Fant and his potential in the league but we can't just like lock him in for a 20% target share in this offense this is not how projections work and it's not how uh you know it's the development of the tight end position you can't just assume that um, even though I do like Noah Fant quite a bit as a, as a player. Um, and so, you know, I, am not really concerned about who's under center necessarily. That's the other thing too, when, when finding breakout wide receivers, quarterback ADP for those wide receivers was irrelevant. The average quarterback ADP among my breakout wide receiver sample was QB 19. So it's, it's not a, it's not a very relevant point. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. I like to hear that. Although I did take Drew Locke. I think it was in the, uh, Scott Fishbowl. So yeah. If he does take over at any point, then I would love uh, for that to happen because I'm pretty thin at quarterback. Who? What is your Scott Fish uh, bowl bowl quarterback situation looking like? By the way, I went with the shocking. I went with the rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, I I went. Uh, I, I'm I'm my, I mean my team is dead in the Scott Fish Bowl because I drafted Cam Akers in the second round. Um, so it's just I mean it's it's, it's game. I, I literally like the last three years, four years maybe I've lost my first or second round pick uh, to injury like in July. Um, and so, but yeah, I have I have Fields, Lance. I I took a shot on Jameis Winston in like the 11th or 12th round, so that's good. And then I have Daniel Jones as well. Um, not that I like Daniel Jones. I, it was just a, he was cheap. Why not do it? Especially because I have these rookie quarterbacks. Um, but it doesn't really matter anymore because I don't have cam makers. <laughs> you're so sad. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. So in the sixth round now, uh, you're looking at, um, you know, ideally it would be awesome if like Javante fell or something like that. But I think this is the time where I'm going to be open about getting a running back um, and, and getting, you know, sort of a high upside guy. I'm going to go with Trey Sermon in the sixth. Um, you know, he's someone who uh, is going to have a role in the San Francisco offense right away. Uh, that San Francisco offense is one that has the easiest schedule. San Francisco has the easiest schedule in the league this year when looking at win totals and projected win totals uh, via a- any sports book or FanDuel sports book, whatever. Um, they they have the the best schedule in the league, so positive game scripts. Um, and, and I, you know, we know that that offense uh, can generate points. I mean, that that offense has been top half of the league in yards per play over the last each of the last four years, despite just very average to below average quarterback play. And so uh, I'm very into drafting either Trey Sermon or, or Raheem Mostert uh, just because, number one, they have all that going for them. But number two, they also have a really good early season schedule so you can get off to a hot start and increase that value with those players right away. What do you think? And this is just because my brain is sort of operating this way. I've been targeting sermon later in drafts i know that chase edmonds goes a little bit before him 
But I do want your thoughts on Chase Edmonds because you've said some pretty good stuff on the late round podcast, as everybody has already listened to. If you haven't, go listen to that now. Um, but I did want to get sort of your updated final verdict thoughts on Chase Edmonds. Yeah, so there's this ambiguous RB1 theory that I created uh, through that I found through data. Uh, Can you please tell the people the name of that model, that study, that um, thesis that you called? You, you, you yeah, yeah, it's called it's called the ambiguous RB1 theory, which is the dumbest name that's Beautiful. ever been created in the fantasy football space. Uh, but basically, what the what the ambiguous RB1? So I, I was looking at like these this breakout running back stuff, and I was sifting through the data. And I was trying to find just different subsets and things that the market has done historically to see if there was any like subset that uh, really hit at like an extremely high rate. And what I found was if you have multiple running backs from the same team being drafted in the middle rounds, so round six through nine is what I considered middle rounds. So pick 61 through 108, very nice. Uh, Those running backs, the RB1 by ADP, a lot of people were confused. They're like, oh, by depth chart? by No, by ADP, like straight up, just looking at ADP. The RB1s on those teams had like a 25% hit rate. And by hit rate, I'm looking at how far they exceeded expect ADP expectation. There's just a trend line formula that I, that I use for that. And so, uh, that, and, I, and I used uh, 100 or more points as that exceeding expectation mark. And so essentially what you're looking at is, Chase Edmonds versus James Conner. Because James Conner, you know, of course, it's going to fluctuate by ADP source. This is not like a locked in, you know, you absolutely have to get these guys kind of thing. This is just a probability driven way of sort of looking at this stuff. And it's, it's really a way of saying the market is a lot better at sifting through these crowded backfields than you think. In the middle rounds, RB1s, team RB1s versus team RB2s, the RB1s hit at a dramatically better rate than the RB2s, like twice as well as the RB2s do. So, you know, it plays into the idea that you don't want to draft those like high-end handcuffs in the middle rounds. You should just go after these ambiguous backfields uh, like the San Francisco backfield or like the Arizona backfield. And Chase Edmonds, to me, is sort of being drafted at this point with the assumption that he's not going to see any goal line work. And that's fine. Like, I I think that's probably what his outcome will be is that he's just going to be like this, like... RB2 in PPR formats, who is a safe play each week, but not necessarily someone who's winning you your league. But what happens if two things happen? Number one, James Conner gets hurt, which I, do, I don't mind Eno Benjamin for the record as like a super, super dart. But if, if James Conner gets hurt, or number two, what happens if Chase Edmonds actually does see some more goal line work, right? Then all of a sudden, it's not that hard to see in this, in this great offense, Kenyon Drake coming off a season where he saw a ton of goal line work, where Chase Edmonds is a very, very reliable and consistent high-end RB2 in fantasy. So that's really the the pitch for for Edmonds. At first, I was like, yeah, you know, back in like April, May, I was like, yeah, I don't really care for Edmonds that much because I, I think that his ceiling is kind of capped. And that might be the case to some degree. But if you're going with like an anchor RB or a hero RB type build, I actually think he makes a lot of sense as an RB2. Oh, dude, I totally 100% agree with that. Um I haven't been understanding the optimism on James Conner. I know the optimism is essentially, you know, he's going to get the goal line work or whatever. And I typically don't advocate to like bank on injury. And that's not necessarily what I'm doing. But I will say that James Conner, five out of the last six years, has had a major connective tissue injury. Mm -hmm. And he's coming off of a turf toe surgery that wasn't even football related. So the guy just literally can't stay on the field. Like, I it sucks 
right? And I wish him nothing yeah. but the best as he's got a really cool story. But the bottom yeah. line is that he just he simply can't stay on the field. So it would be an anomaly if he did stay on the field. And if uh, he didn't, and if he does get hurt, then like you were saying, that sort of shoots Chase Edmonds up the ranks. Not that we hope for injury and not that we bank on injury, but you know, it is what it is. And I just haven't understood the argument. If anything, the argument for, oh, but I'm just going to take the later guy. Like this is the exact situation where that one to me just doesn't make sense. So I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, it doesn't make a sense in a lot of cases. But look, I'll say this too about this theory. Uh, I think a lot, you know, I, I don't think, I know a lot of people have taken this to like the extreme because this is, and it's understandable. Like you, you listen to someone on a podcast, talk about this data and it's really glaring data. Um, but the one thing I will say is that this is a very probability driven thing. Um, and, and it's a small sample size. Like we don't generally see a lot of backfields be drafted in the middle rounds. I mean, we're seeing a decent amount this year, uh, you know, occurrences happen this year, uh, but we haven't seen, you know, there's not that big of a sample. It's like 16 or 17 backfields over the last 10 years, basically. Um, and so the sample size isn't that big. So there's variance to what that hit rate shows. Right. But even still, like at the very least, we know that RB ones are better than RB twos, right? Like that's the baseline. Uh, but then on top of that, if you, you know, can make the case and can make the argument for the player and all of that, then you should feel even more confident in getting that RB1 when the RB2 is in that same uh, middle round range. And, and some people will say, well, why does this matter? Like, why does this, why is this a thing? Um, and anytime I do studies, I try to just like sit back and think about why the data is showing something and, and whether or not it's intuitive. And I think this is intuitive because when you have multiple middle round running backs, what does that tell you? It tells you two things. Number one, we don't know who the RB1 is. We don't have supreme confidence that there's one guy who's going to see all the work in that backfield. But number two, we have multiple running backs being drafted relatively high, single digit rounds, because we're looking at that offense in that situation and we're saying that's a good situation, right? And so if one of those running backs emerges, it then makes sense that they would emerge and be a league winning type back. Whereas you look at Michael Carter in the middle rounds. He's an RB1. That's great. A team RB1. You know, you want to target those kind of guys in the middle rounds. But there's no other Jets running back being drafted in the middle rounds. Why? Because the Jets aren't supposed to be that good, right? Whereas we look at the 49ers. We look at the Buccaneers. We look at the, the Cardinals. All of these offenses, they have running backs and that are in really good situations to thrive. And if one of those running backs does indeed beat the other running back, then we can see a path to them being a league winner. Okay, perfect. I love that. Let's reset and talk about every pick he's made so far. JJ's made. He started at the 1.09. He took Saquon Barkley, still levitating on that one. He went DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Jerry Judy, Trey Sermon. Did I skip anyone? I think that's Tyler it. Lockett. Tyler, Tyler Lockett. Lockett. How did I yeah. forget about Tyler Lockett? Yeah, because he's actually highlighted. He's the one that you were supposed to take around right. later. So Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Jerry Judy, Trey Sermon. Okay. Now, according to this ADP, typically speaking, it's going to skip the 7.09. We'll just pretend this is a 7.09. It's really a 7.11. Juju Smith-Schuster. Are you going to go Juju Smith-Schuster here? Um, I might. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to switch this up. I'm not going to go Juju. You're such a homer. You're going to go Juju. I'm not going to go Juju. <laughs> uh, I, I would honestly hear if I didn't have Judy, I would probably go Cortland Sutton. Um, because I, I, I don't know about, Ooh, I mean, you're the, Judy, Judy and Sutton. I'm not going to do it, though. I'm not going to go. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, you're the injury guy, though. I I've never seen a video 
uh, a clip of one play give me more confidence in, in in a player returning from injury than that than that cut that Cortland Sutton made in that last preseason game. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm higher. I, I was like relatively higher on Sutton entering the off season and, and in the off season than others were. Um, and, and I, I mean, he's a baller. He's very good. I just don't want to get multiple wide receivers from that Broncos passing attack. So instead I'm not going to go Juju. I think Juju's fine there. I'm going to go with a, 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 an even more fun player, I think. And that's LaVisca Chenault. Gadget. So I'm taking, I'm taking LaVisca Yeah. I'm going to take LaVisca Chenault here. Uh, because number one, he's my wide receiver five now. So I, so I'm, I'm able to sort of shoot, shoot for a little bit of upside there. Um, I just think he has a lot of versatility. I mean, I liked him a lot coming out as a prospect because of that versatility. He's like a Debo Samuel plus. Um, and with this Travis Etienne injury, I think that we're going to see a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, plays, uh, going LaVisca's way close to the line. I mean, we've seen that in the preseason already. Um, these, these drawn up plays for Chenault in particular, so I think in a PPR format, he's going to have like a baseline of like four or five receptions a game. Um, but then what if, you know, what if he does emerge? What if he is is better in a better wide receiver than than most realize or think? Um, and, and, you know, I don't mind the wide receiver group in Jacksonville as players. Like, I, you know, Marvin Jones is a great guy who can stretch the field and make big splash plays and be a good red zone threat. DJ Charks in a similar fashion. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that it would be that shocking if LaVisca Chenault ends up just being the best wide receiver on that team talent wise. And then you're adding in these manufactured touches. Um, and I, I just think he's a really good pick this year. And I, I I've, I've warmed up on him more and more and more as the off season has gone on. I wasn't as into him in like July, but the ETN injury and, you know, talking to smart people and looking at it a little bit differently has got me more and more in on LaVisca Chenault. Here we are. Okay. You went LaVisca Chenault. Um, that was the seventh round pick. The 8.04 here is supposed, we just talked about this guy. It's supposed to be James Connor. I'm actually looking uh, on the website itself. It's supposed to be James Connor, Dallas Goddard's off the board. Uh, Leonard Fournette's off the board. Uh, Debo Samuels right after James Connor. Are you going to go James Connor or are you going to go, going to go someone else? Uh, I'm not going to go James Connor. Uh, I don't really love any of the running backs in this range right now. So I'm just, I'm just rolling my two right now with Sermon and, and Barkley. This is when I would like start to think about wide receiver a little bit more or, or running back a little bit more. Um, but I'm going to go with my quarterback here. Ooh, um, here we go. This is a good one yeah, to end on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jalen hurts here. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I, you know, last season for, we have a four game sample. He averages 23 fantasy points per game. And everyone's like, okay, well, you know, it, yeah, it was skewed a little bit towards rushing touchdowns and, uh, you know, funky things happened. Uh, and then people, you know, the argument against Hertz is that he's not that good of a passer, which you're not wrong. Last season, he was one of the worst clean pocket passers in the league. But here's the thing. He was still really good in fantasy football. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that there's room for growth there. I mean, imagine if things do indeed hit for Jalen Hertz. Uh, he could be, I mean, he could be an awesome fantasy asset. And then on top of that, Philadelphia gets a really nice start to the season. They uh they get Philadelphia or sorry, they get Atlanta week 1. There is a game against San Francisco in there, but San Francisco's secondary isn't as good as their front seven. And then uh they get a game against Dallas. Um and so and I mean I, actually the first like 8 games of the season for Jalen Hurts really not that bad. Um and so you can feel confident just plugging and playing him to start the season more than likely. Uh, I think he's a really good late-ish round quarterback pick this year. I actually have a league where the people are quarterback 
thirsty. It's a single quarterback league, but like every team rosters like two quarterbacks and it drives me freaking nuts. Like it drives me up the wall. Yeah. But I actually was able to get Hurts late and then turn around and got Sermon late. So I'm hoping for that uh, that upside play for the entire season. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that league. So I love I love the Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts pick there. All right, let's review here. JJ's team. He's got Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Jerry Judy, Trey Sermon. You're pretty stacked here, man. LaVisca Chenault finally went. Jalen Hurts. Tell me overall your thoughts on this fake ADP that was uh, sort of fake ADP here. I dig it. I dig it. You know, this is the way that I build my rosters and have been building all offseason where I go with that running back early. You know, if he doesn't hit, that sucks. But, uh, you know, you have to be playing for that upside. You have to make some assumptions uh, whenever you take a guy that early. Um, and so with this one, I feel very good about Saquon uh, this season to 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 be a, a very relevant piece in fantasy. Uh, and then I just pound those wide receivers and get a ton of them, uh, which I did here. And I got a lot of guys that I like this year, like Tyler Lockett and Jerry Judy. And then I think Trey Sermon's like the perfect kind of RB2 type because, you know, like I mentioned, they get a good early season schedule. He's going to be involved in that offense. Maybe he even takes over if that's the case, then watch out for sermons. There's a lot of upside with them too. That's like the the perfect way that I sort of formulate my RB2 spot. Um, and then Jalen Hurts being that late round quarterback pick, I'm, I'm all about it. Now we do have some breaking news here, JJ, and I don't know how this impacts your drafting, but we do see that Gio Bernard is dealing with a quote, mild high ankle sprain. Just wanted to get Ooh. that off, off my chest to let you know. That's not fun. Yeah. Red flags, red flags for Gio Bernard. Um, but that's it, man. Do you have any parting shots? Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, this is a really good exercise to do because, um, you know, it, it does indeed sort of give you a glimpse of the way that I'm drafting. And, and, you know, if you want to draft that way, feel free. I think that I'm decent at fantasy football and I've studied this stuff a whole lot. Uh, like I'm not, you know, I'm not like, I'm not giving, I'm not saying that I have all the answers for sure, but I do think that this kind of approach in a full PPR league with a flex, um, going wide receiver heavy like that can yield some really good results, and I'm expecting it to yield pretty good results this season. Will Jerry Judy break the all-time receiving and touchdown record this year? I'm thinking like 2,500 yards for Judy this season. <laughs> I agree 100%. All right, JJ, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you for drafting. Thanks for coming on for the second time. I'd like to call you a friend of the show now. I can't wait to crush you in the injury-prone invitational. Your team sucks. Mine is better. Make sure to follow JJ on Twitter at late round QB. Follow him over at Numberfire for all of his uh, information data studies. I'll try to link them all in the show notes and we'll see you next time.